This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And welcome to the Monday program. We've got lots of interesting basketball action to bring you from the weekend. A couple of SEC defensive back transfers for the football program, actually from the same high school. A big-time performance from a member of men's golf as well. It's not the men's golf season, but you do have individuals, and one particular bull had a fantastic weekend. We get back really into full swing this week. Bull speed ahead with Michael Kelly returns after taking a hiatus over the holidays. Turns out that the day we taped the show is Monday, and, you know, we had Christmases and New Year's Eves going on. We'll be recording today for an airing tomorrow, and then we'll go ahead and tell you that Bullseye, which was every week during the football season with Alex Golish, will shift in two ways, not just from football to basketball, but it'll go from once a week to bi-weekly which means every two weeks. I'll be sitting down with Amir Abdul-Rahim and Chris Youngblood this week, and we'll have that for you on Thursday. We'll also have alternating with the men's basketball being the focus, women's basketball head coach Jose Fernandez and student athletes, and then we'll transition into spring with some baseball and softball with Billy Mole and Ken Erickson. We'll also continue to interview members of other squads as part of the show, so Keep an ear out for that on Thursday, and yes, it'll be on YouTube as well if you want to keep an eye out for it. i got to remind myself to get a haircut tomorrow. Probably a good thing that we are recording that show early on Tuesday afternoon, because if we were recording it, I don't know, say early on Sunday evening, it might have been a really emotional show. As it was, it was an emotional post-game, Amir Abdurrahim. You will definitely hear that, because the Bulls went to UAB and did not get the benefit of the whistles. They battled throughout this one. It was close throughout. Looked like it wasn't going to be close at the end when UAB took a 10-0 lead, but the Bulls battled all the way back to take the brief lead, and then the Blazers salted away with hot shooting. No, wait. Oh, they salted it away going 6 of 23 from the floor in the second half, but 23 of 32 at the free throw line. While the Bulls were getting called for in the second half alone, 19 fouls compared to 9 for UAB. 9 for 19 also happened to be the free throw shooting percentage for the Bulls. It was purely and simple, not just the whistles, but the performance at the line that decided the game. Because from the floor, the Bulls made 6 more shots. They made 5 more threes. They got great performances offensively. But oh yeah, we'll get into that in our second segment, and you will hear from Amir Abdurrahim. As a matter of fact, Jose Fernandez was not so happy after his team's performance on Saturday, despite it being a win. We will explain why. You will hear Romy Levy scoring a career-high 32 points and being the reason why the Bulls won, but not with an asterisk, just still with some issues that are going to need to be resolved if the Bulls want to, well, make it back to the NCAA tournament. They did win. They're 10-6, but they blew a 21-point lead in this game, only to be rescued by Romy Levy. So we'll have those highlights for you in our first segment. And in our second block, we'll get into the men's basketball situation. So the two players that come from the same high school, Godby High School in Tallahassee, and are now South Florida Bulls, as they officially announced two transfer portal additions over the weekend. First of all, from South Carolina, K1 Banks, and from Tennessee, 
Deshaun Rucker. Both of these players obviously standouts in high school. The difference is Rucker is a lot more experienced at the college level. He's played in three full seasons, while Rucker just just wrapped up season two. Like a lot of the D1 transfers, the Bulls picked up after Alex Golish took over. Not a ton of action. Rucker actually did get an interception in the first game of this last season against North Carolina, but, for example, ended up with just six tackles still. Players that can help in the secondary for the Bulls. Deshaun, according to Alex Golish, is a young man I had the pleasure of knowing back in my days at Tennessee. He is exactly what we need in our defensive backfield. Pumped to be working with him again. And, of course, he knows from his days at Tennessee, a guy who played at Tennessee, K1 Banks, will be a huge addition to our defense, says Golish. This Tallahassee native is coming to the Bay to help us reach the next level defensively. We'll continue to update you on any additions the Bulls make. Mention men's golf had an individual have a pretty good tournament. Cooper Smith is his name. And wow, at the New Year's Invitational to St. Petersburg Country Club, Cooper Smith rolled 15 under par through three rounds, finishing with his best round 65 under. Finishing with his best round of 65, that was eight shots better than anyone else in this field. 80 golfers. Now listen to this. Smith finished 15 under par. Out of 80 players, including John Daly the second, by the way, who was two under, only 10 finished under par. And he was 15 under. I would say that the Freedom High School kid, who in 12 rounds this past fall shot 10 of par or better, continues to look very, very strong. We're getting around to the start of the spring season for men's and women's golf. Also, next week, men's and women's tennis start things off, so we're ready to add more to the program here for sure, including track and field. We mentioned Bullseye, and we know that Eric Jenkins, the head coach, will be one of our guests sooner than later in the program. They'll be on the road this weekend as part of the indoor season getting going. Well, women's basketball's conference season is in full mode. Even though we're just three games in, it could have been an extremely difficult start already, having lost last Wednesday at home in overtime to Charlotte. And the problem there was the offense went completely cold, did not make a field goal after three minutes to go in regulation. So through the overtime, didn't score from the floor. And unlike the UAB men's team yesterday, didn't get a ton of free throws in that game. They did get some key free throws at the end of this one, though, on Saturday afternoon in New Orleans. The Bulls win it 70-63. to And first half highlights, really, this is about how you thought the game would go. Tulane not only had gone 0-2, losing a couple of road contests in conference play. They lost by 18 to Tulsa and had fallen to Wichita State, which frankly is expected to finish near the bottom of the conference, and add to it, they had recently lost their point guard due to injury, Kayla Rainey, the Northwestern transfer who played every game as a starter last year for a pretty good Northwestern team and wasn't a big scorer but was third in the conference in assists. So we knew she was going to be out with a hamstring injury. Then we found out that Kyron Whittington, who is their leading scorer, was out for this game due to injury. She was actually honored before the game for hitting 1,000 points on her career, but she was in street clothes. So their 16-point score, and then after that, Marta Golic is certainly a dangerous player. Averages around 15 points a game, can hit the threes. She was pretty special in the second half. And then beyond her, Hannah Pratt, a Columbia transfer, and a bunch of really role players. In other words, not a dangerous offensive team. And sure enough, in the first half, it played out how you would have wanted it to play out. 
Here are some first half highlights of what looked like it was going to be an easy Saturday in New Orleans. That is a fantastic start for the Bulls. Romeo Levy, who has been living in that mid-range jumper, just knocks one down, and the Bulls have the 2-0 lead. So the money green uniforms, the green base with the lighter green numerals, a really cool look, and yes, it resembles the dollar bill. Hey, Romeo Levy, a lefty, and you just saw Jose Fernandez go, okay, that works. Had a fast break and scored with the right hand, decided to keep that defender on his left hip, and now it's 11-7 after the steal and score. Wilson left wide open for a three, and she knocks it down. Anytime that can happen, it's a bonus. Ariel Wilson entered this game with 22 points total in 15 games. She was three for 22 on threes. 17-12, there's a pass inside that Wilson intercepts. Will she take it all the way and score twice in a row? She does, Ariel Wilson! With five points, and she makes it 19-12, and it didn't take her long to score those two buckets. Five points in less than 30 seconds. I believe that is her season high. Wilson fakes it to Alvarez, gets it out to Blasic. 13, again, the Bulls can hold for one here if they want. 10, 9, Blasic has lane open up, lays it up and in. Vicky Blasic with her second make of the night makes it 21 to 12. They're gonna get a look at a last second shot here. Nope, they pass it up. So, Bulls shoot 50% in the first quarter and three for four on threes. And that'll get you a lead. They end it with a 7-0 run. Rhea to a wide open Danny Gonzalez. Tough catch. Danny is pinned underneath by Mabry. Nice move and high off the glass. That is a clean shot right there. Gonzalez, that was a difficult shot. Asensio off balance three, knocks it down. Marina can certainly hit that shot. Her 12th make, exactly 33% for the season. And the Bulls are hitting their threes today. They lead it 28-15. Four of six on threes, precisely. Eight on the shot, Levy far from the hoop, gets it over to Maria, that has gotta go up from three. Boy, it'd be great to see her get the three-point stroke going. Maria Alvarez, Bulls are hitting them consistently here on this left basket. They're five for eight now, and it's 31 to 15. Levy with just six on the shot clock, gets it up to Blasek, and she's gonna have to take this three. She knows it, just misses. Ava battles for the board, gets it right back to Romy Levy, into the paint, floater, banks it in. Romy Levy with a beautiful shot. Give Ava chip hole credit there, she grabbed her six boards. Levy has 13 points and it's 37 to 21 Bulls. Rito kept it alive for Wilson, nice job. Now they flick it over to the left side with Levy. Oh, and the elbow, let that one drop in. Beautiful move by Levy, she's got 15 points and really has become the Bulls' leading option today and of late. 40 seconds to go, lane opens up for Levy off the glass, knocks it down, Romy Levy give her 17 points. And it's 41-21 South Florida. They scored the last six in this game. And I don't know if you could tell, but I was excited for the plays, but sort of tempering it because that's how undermanned Tulane was. And it was just one of those games where you figured they'd win by 25 points or so, and they were already up 20 at the break. But no, Tulane did not go grab a bunch of new players at halftime. But they must have gotten an extremely good motivation from their head coach, Lisa Stockton, because they came out just a clearly different team from their effort standpoint, and the Bulls weren't quite ready to contend with it. This was an early sign that it was going to be a different game completely. Putting her head down is Pratt. The Columbia transfer misses, and the Bulls just give up the rebound. Pratt battling for the ball and will continue the possession. That was one on three. And give her credit, even though she flubbed the shot, 
Hannah Pratt, and boy, the South Florida bench is not happy with that development. When you had two easy opportunities, Brito specifically should have gotten the first rebound. Now Pratt on Evelyn Lich's hip hook. Tough shot from beyond the elbow and knocks it down. Hannah Pratt deserved the bucket out of that possession. They only had one second chance point. That'll definitely go down as two and three. You heard it, just one second chance point in the first half. It wasn't even a problem for the Bulls in this game. It became a problem. So did Tulane starting to hit some three-point shots while the Bulls were not making any. Another opponent able to really frustrate and focus its defense around Victoria Blasig. She only attempted one shot. She came into this game ninth in the country and made threes. She hit one of those five threes in the first half for the Bulls from five different players. Five for ten. That'll get it done. The Bulls only turned it over twice in the first half. That's why they were ahead by 20. None of that carried over to the second half. Now, the Bulls didn't turn it over a ton eight times, but it was a sign that their offense was sputtering, that is for sure, but for one player. Meanwhile, Tulane picked up the three-point shooting, went 5-for-11 itself in the second half, scored more points in the fourth quarter alone. That's 26 than they did in the first half. That's 21. Here's a little bit of a medley. We're not going to give you the whole comeback, but a comeback in a nutshell. Right side to Pratt. Is she feeling it? Yes, she is. Tulane with some spark here. They're outscoring the Bulls 9-2 to in the second half. And as good as it looked at halftime, it is an 8-0 run by Tulane. Bulls have got to get it going. And Lisa Stockton is, along with the bench, lustily applauding what's going on here. Drives around Blasic, fellow Italian misses, and Peral keeps it alive, and there's another offensive rebound for the Green Wave. That is a disturbing trend. 8.20 left, plenty of time. Bulls still up by 12. Danny Gonzalez out on Golic. A different looking lineup for the Bulls. It's a 10 point game. They feed Pratt inside. She's a talented finisher. And Lisa Stockton is saying, get up and get loud of this crowd. Tulane feeling it. Misses the second one and taps the rebound out. Grattini puts it down. Another tap-out rebound. Boy, the Bulls are just not securing the boards, and it is a single-digit lead, and Jose Fernandez wants a timeout. He gets it. 6.26 to go. It's South Florida 55, Tulane 46. 62-58 as we hit three minutes to go in this contest. Ariel Wilson out to Levy. Bertini jumps out on her as we near 10 on the shot clock. Romeo Levy pulls up mid-range, misses that one, and Tulane gets the basketball. They want a break with it. Corral up to Gullich, lays it up and in. It is a two-point game, 62 to 60, and the Bulls call timeout. A crazy comeback here in New Orleans. Out to Peral, not a three-point shooter. Golich is eight. Gonzalez has her covered up pretty well. Golich moves to the elbow, turns, tough shot, high off the glass, rims out. Another offensive rebound. Golich open for three. You don't need me to tell you what just happened. It is 63 to 62, and the Bulls call timeout. And this place is going crazy. Unbelievable effort by Tulane and an unbelievable comeback. There's still 142 to go in this game. And fortunately, Tulane did not score in any of those seconds. And Romy Levy hit seven free throws. You'll hear the finish, what both Jose Fernandez and Miss Levy had to say about it. Why Romy won't be the player of the week in the conference, even though no doubt she'll get mentioned. Why was Amir Abdurrahim so frustrated after his team lost on Sunday? I'll explain and you'll hear him say it himself. Don't go anywhere. Back to the beat 
Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. So where we last left off, the Bulls were down 63-62 and calling a timeout. They actually caught a break where we're going to focus on the whistles, seemingly none going in the men's basketball team's favor. The women actually were getting some shaky calls against them, but Evelyn Lucha-Shipold, who had a double-double with 10 points and 12 rebounds, had turned it over on her previous touch, fumbled the ball away, but it went right to Levy, who got fouled and went to the line for some clutch shots. Well, Tulane is 18 for 25. Down by a point. Makes it. Romy Levy ties it up at 63. Unreal comeback by the Green Wave. Yes, the shooting has been phenomenal in this quarter, eight for 11. But the effort has been, you know, something that's not on the stat sheet. That has really been the reason for it. Bulls back on top. Offense for defense. This time, Jeanette Arneo out there to try and grab a board if Tulane misses for Blassett. 1.30 left. Tulane has three timeouts. The Bulls still have two. So every chance, the teams will be calling timeout to advance the ball. Golich with Gonzalez out on her. She is the focal point of their offense right now. Hands it off to Peral. There is Joey Madison Key, the freshman running the point. Golich with Gonzalez feeds it to Peral. 110 to go. They double team her. There's Arneo. Great defense to send it out to Madison Key, not a shooter. Pratt open for three. Looks good. No good. Get the board, and they do. And the two players I just mentioned were a big part of some defense, and Romy Levy finished the deal at the line. Tulane down by a point, 64-63. Golich gets double team. Lucha Shippo, that's a charge! Marta Golich pushes off. Evelyn Lucha Schiphol with the help defense at a very, very important time. Let's see if they go for two or three. Levy deflects the pass out to Pratt in the corner. Levy prevents the three. Golich loses it on the deck. It's a help ball. It should be Bulls ball. Arrow favors the Bulls. It does. 17.4 to go. Bulls can't call a timeout. That was all Romy Levy denying the initial pass to Levy. He's going to hang on to it at midcourt with 24.1 seconds left. Levy's first three there. Good. Man, has she been clutch. Not just at the line, obviously, but all throughout this day. 28 points for Ronnie Levy. Two-point game. Makes the second. Needed all of them. All the Bulls are on the other side of the court. Levy by herself. Swish. 67-63. A two-possession game. Bulls were down not too long ago. Levy now has 30. Make it 31. She has been absolutely sensational. She has scored the last six points all at the free throw line in the final 90 seconds after Tulane took the lead. Three, miss, yes, rebound, Bulls. Nine seconds left, and that is going to finally, I think, wrap it up. Three-point shot up, no good, and Levy, fittingly enough, gets the rebound, and what do you know, gets fouled with a second and a half to go as she will continue to get to act. By the way, the six free throws in the final 90 seconds, roughly, she was just two for two before that. So talk about coming up big. Romy Levy knocks it down nine for nine at the line. She could airball this one and I wouldn't care. She missed it. You know what? Gonna cut her a break. Romy Levy finishes nine for 10 at the free throw line, but seven straight all after Tulane took the lead. And what a tremendous, Tremendous performance. You were going to be the focal point. Have you become comfortable with that? Looks like it. I think that I'm trying to get comfortable with it, you know. For the most part, um, after the last game for sure, I think that we need someone to step up. Not scoring-wise, but just, you know, getting everybody together, um, getting out of holes. Because obviously you saw the first half, we were up by 20 at halftime. We are a good team. 
Um, when we do the right things, when we don't turn the ball over, make the right decisions, we're a really, really good team. Um, I think we just need to learn how to stack halves, uh, come back from halftime, play the same as we were in the first two halves. Um, we got to do better at that, but I think that, you know, it just, I play with my heart, I play for my teammates. Um, Sammy is out, so I try to help out and cover her role sometimes uh, as much as I can. But at this game, when we were down by one, up by one, down by one? Down by one, 90 seconds Yes, to go. I think that, when, obviously shout out Jose, Coach Jose. Uh, he's calling the right plays at the right time. He's been doing this for so long, so he knows what he's doing, and he's getting us out of the holes, um, and we trust him with everything. So I think that's what helped us the most this game. You made seven straight free throws until that one at the end. <laughs> I, I said that before the last one. You were allowed to airball the last one, so you did a great job. But I got to tell you, 26 attempts, your most in a, a game ever, have been 18. So I know you don't want to take all the shots, but is that something, again, there's no hesitation there uh, compared to maybe in the past? I think that at some point in the game, I was like, ooh, maybe <laughs> I should stop shooting. I mean, I feel like I'm shooting way too much. I'm not used to that, you know. Um, I think that in my old school, before I got here, I was maybe averaging eight shots per game. Uh, so it definitely feels different. Um, so not don't get used to it necessarily? I mean, I don't know if I'm getting used to it. I don't feel really comfortable about it, but I'm just trying to step up for the team. Um, but, yeah. Well, today we're very glad you did all of that. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. I don't make a habit of asking for players after the game because, well, they have their post-game duties with the entire media, but this was different, and I want to thank Andrew Kopinski, who's in his first year coming here from Syracuse as sports information director. He was for men's soccer, did a great job with them, and now with women's basketball, and he immediately got her over. Right after we talked to Jose Fernandez, who was not in so good of a mood, and Keep this in mind when you're going to hear the tenor. You might be thinking, really, after a win, but it wasn't so much that they lost the lead. Listen, you can lose leads. We saw it last year in San Diego against Ohio State when the Bulls were up 18, but that was a top 10 type team that was undefeated at the time, and you knew had the talent, and you knew basically was going to make a comeback. This was a two-lane team that, again, was severely shorthanded, and even when at full strength, was a 500 team. And so their comeback was all effort. And you'll hear what he had to say about that right now. What was going on there? Because you could see early in the second half that they had the hustle factor. That's the makeup. These guys ain't tough enough and they haven't gotten it yet. You know, that's why, I mean, we're, we're going to, again, Romy had a great night, but where did our other points come from? You know, I just, it wasn't good. Derek, we're not a good basketball team. We're not. Now, again, that was right after the game, so understanding the frustration. And, of course, they're not a bad basketball team. But right now, they're not playing like an NCAA tournament team. You're going to have to win the American Athletic Conference tournament. And, by the way, if they had lost, you're in the bottom half of the league. And you got to finish in the top four. If you don't, if you're fifth, you're having to win four games in four days to win the American Athletic Conference tournament. So, Bulls have got to turn it around, and the team they play on Wednesday is even feeling worse because – Tulsa was 2-0 and at home leading Temple, an average Temple team, by 12 midway through the third quarter and lost 58-48. Temple crushed them on the glass, and Tulsa's offense, which is pretty good, went cold. So that's going to be an interesting matchup on Wednesday night. And really, will the Bulls get auxiliary scoring? You heard Jose Fernandez hint at it. When Vicky Blasig gets locked down and doesn't even attempt but one shot in the second half, and a player who I thought was going to be an all-conference performer, Carla Brito, does not score in the entire game. 
The Bulls get Emma Johansson back from injury. She has not been a factor yet. Tulane's effort alone being enough to spark a 21-point comeback was disturbing enough, but the offensive production right now, again, Romy Levy is an exception from all this with 32 points. That's an issue. And why is Romy Levy not going to be player of the week with a career at 32? Because, well, Daisa Lawrence, who scored 26 against the Bulls, had 30 in Charlotte's win on Sunday against UAB. Maybe an OT loss to Charlotte is not such a bad thing looking back. Now, let's listen back to some highlights from Sunday's game for the men's basketball team. We'll get into the officiating. A couple of quick tone setters early here. Gets it off to Youngblood. He gets to the elbow. Spin move in the paint. Goes through contact. Block. Boy, a lot of contact and no calls. Davis ran into him. Outlet to Vasquez. He goes to the basket. Layup is good. I thought Youngblood did the right thing by challenging Davis, and there was a huge collision, but no call. Well, you're right, Jim. There is a tremendous amount of contact going on in there and a lot of fouls called against USF, so it is uh, very difficult sledding under the basket today. Coleman, left side pass. Vasquez, ball fake. Gets down to the low block, tries to go through Sam Hines, and there's going to be a call on Hines, who I think just picked up his second. Well, that was a late whistle. Looks like good defense by Hines. I mean, we've seen more contact around the basket than that. Coach Amir Abdurrahim has questions about that call. He, too, was surprised at the late whistle, what looked like a clean block. Three in the corner, that's short, and there's Stroud, and they go right through him for the rebound, and the foul is on USF. Stroud was standing for the rebound, and Tony Tony just plowed right yeah. into him and took it, and the foul is on Stroud. Stroud had the position, wow. secured the ball, and then was assaulted under the basket. I don't know what Brandon Stroud, what else he could do in that situation. But let's give you an example of the end of the first half. Jaden Reed, in my opinion, locking up freshman of the week after his already strong performance against Temple. Fight for the rebound, and there's Stroud. Great box out on Lundeborg. Here's an outlet to Jaden Reed. He's got a man on roller skates, now kicks in the corner. Kobe Knox sets his feet, fires for three. Got it! Kobe Knox, the triple is good. His third of the game, and that matches his season high. Boy, the last two threes by Kobe Knox have been crucial crucial to keep the Bulls tight in this game. UAB leads at 34-30, but USF staying alive, 135 to go in the half. Here's Coleman, drives to the baseline over Pryor, partially blocked by Knox. It's loose on the floor, fight for it. It's going to be a held ball, and possession arrow belongs to South Florida. 114 and running in this first half. USF down by four. Reed drifting right, goes between the legs against Gaines. He lost him, shakes free. 15-footer, good. A spin move, and Gaines was on the floor, and the freshman sinks it. What a move by Jaden Reed right there. And the Bulls, just that fast, have cut it to two. And it looks like a zone out of UAB. Right side pass to Stroud. Clock down to five. Reed's going to launch a three from straight on. Got it! Jaden Reed, a triple with two seconds to go in the first half. There's the horn, and he cuts it to one. Jaden Reed taking over this game over the last ten minutes. Seven points, three for three from the floor. He was five for five in the last game. He can't miss right now, and the Bulls trail by a point as we go to the locker room. Pretty even game, and pretty even, by the way, foul count in the first half, nine apiece. Now, that would change drastically in the second 20 minutes. 19 to 9, the fouls. Now, sometimes it can get out of hand at the end of the game because the team is behind and you have to foul to send the other team to the line. So it can rack up that way. Nope. It racked up at the start. If you want to see it, I put out a couple videos of the very first minute. Two fouls. Both shouldn't have been fouls. One simply wasn't on Case and Pryor. Javian Davis, who is the big, and I mean big, impressive 6'9, 265-pound center. Backed him down. Pryor got shoved backwards. Didn't infringe. Got called for a foul then. Next possession. 
Missed shot by UAB. Clear shove off by Yaxel Landenberg, who was great. 23 points, 15 rebounds. Didn't get called. And on the ensuing putback, Sam Hines popped for his third foul. That led to eventually five fouls in the first three minutes of the second half. And you're getting into bonus territory when the whistles could have been absolutely not blown. That set the stage for the lopsided nature in the second half. Free throws, 23 of 32 in the second half for UAB, while they were just making 6 of 23 from the floor. Bulls made more than double the field goals in the second half, but you got to say it on the other side, for the game, just 9 and 19 at the line and a 5 for 15 start. So frustration in every which way involving fouls. Too many called on them, and when they got the chances, too many missed free throws. You're going to hear Amir Abdurrahim on both ends of that here in a minute. But let's throw in the Bulls coming back from down 10 points first. Knocks to Youngblood at the top. He gets a screen. Double team comes. He leaves it for Stroud. Ball fake. Goes around one man. He goes to the basket. Switches hands, and the right-handed layup is good. Boy, the lefty crossed up the entire defense and switched to the right hand and laid it in. It's a three-point game. It was a pretty athletic play by Brandon Stroud to drive the lane and change hand. To read, and they'll set it up. One possession game, 14 and a half remaining. Bulls down, but with the ball. Here's Kaysen Pryor out to Stroud at the top. Right side pass to Youngblood. Slips free. Fires a three. Around the rim and in. Chris Youngblood knocks down his third triple of the game. We're all tied at 44. Well, by hook or by crook, somehow the Bulls have... Forge to tie here, battling back. Now they get it down low to Stroud. He's going to spin. Goes in the left hand. Almost traveled with it. Kicks it back out to Kobe Knox. He's driving to the paint through contact around the rim. And in! <laughs> it rolled around and hung up on that 18-inch cast iron hoop, and then it finally fell through. Kobe Knox's expression was priceless as he watched the ball rolling around and around like a, like a pinball game. And when it went down, he just, he just kind of nodded his head like, yep. Left his feet. Now he's got real estate. Launches a three that misses. And a putback by Butter Johnson. Nobody put a body on him, and they get an easy bucket to lead his 10. Another 6-0 run. Bounce pass down low to Pryor. Goes to work on Coleman. Spins off the window on the left side, and it's good. Cason Pryor set up his man perfectly and kissed it off the glass. Chris Youngblood, he squares to the basket. He goes into contact. Off the window and in. He went right at Javian Davis and scored. Kudos to him for going inside into the land of the Giants and making the ball count. He's got 13. Now he's trying to make it 14 with a made free throw. He missed his only attempt early in the game. Bulls are 5 for 14 from the line today, and he missed that one. Yeah. I don't, I'm getting tired of just even calling him because they're not... They're not really close either. And that one's short. Finally missed one. Pryor gets the rebound for the Bulls. Outlets to Selt Miguel, and here comes USF. Shooting 45% from the game. They're actually out shooting UAB now. Pryor on the right wing. They're leaving him alone. He's going to take a three. Kaysen Pryor's triple is good. His fourth of the season and none bigger. And he measured it. He took his time. He looked down at his feet. 6.35 to go. Bulls down four. Lindeborg on the right wing. They're playing off it. Kobe Knox giving him a little cushion. Tries to go around him. Goes to the basket. Reverse layup. Didn't go. Knox gets wow. the rebound and then gets it into Chris Youngblood. That's Ahead tough. to Selton Miguel. He's got a head of steam. He's going right through contact. Layup is good. The Bulls go coast to coast and cut it to two. That's outstanding defense by Kobe Knox on the other end. Shot clock down to eight. High post it goes. They kick it in the corner. Vasquez makes a baseline move around two guys. Blocked from behind by Selton Miguel and he took it away as well. What a play. Here comes Selton back the other way. Right side pass to Youngblood. Pulls up from 15 feet. Good. 
good. Ties it at 63 apiece. And the Bulls have turned their defense into offense two plays in a row. Yep, that's exactly right, Jim. The key to that whole stretch was USF's defense. Defense was very good. Again, UAB just 6 for 23 from the floor in the second half. But at the line, different story. And despite all of it, the Bulls had some open looks that would have either tied or given them the lead late. The most notable with just 22 seconds left down by two and Selton Miguel pops open and just misses the three. 75-71 the final score. Bulls get 17 points from both Miguel and Youngblood. Kobe Knox gives them 10-5. and five. Case and Pryor 9-8. and eight. Jaden Reed 9 points, only 2 assists. Great to see Jose Placer back from injury even though he only played 7 minutes. And certainly great to see Brandon Stroud return from a one-game absence due to illness with seven points and seven rebounds. And he was the only bull better than 50% at the free throw line at three for five. It took them, by the way, until Stroud's two at the line, and boy, isn't this something, with 3.21 to go in the game. That was the first time the Bulls went two for two at the line. So there was a little bit on both ends, and you could hear both ends of the frustration revealed by Amir Abdul-Rahim in this post-game interview. Coach, uh, a, a very good game came right down to the wire. Obviously, you look at free throws on both sides, probably ended up deciding this thing. Um, you could look at it that way, um, but I'm not. Uh, we didn't control the controllables. We didn't make our free throws, okay, regardless if it was 41 to 19 or whatever it is. Again, it's a four-point ball game. We can't miss 10 free throws on the road. Coach, you hold them to no field goals for the last eight minutes yeah. and 42, yeah. which is, which yeah. is un- yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. And I'm trying my best. I don't know what the fine policy is in this league, so I'm trying my best to Understood. shut up. Yeah. But it's a joke. Like, that's a joke. Yeah. Understood. That's a joke. Well said. If you want to hear all of what he had to say, and he had to bite his lip, and the guys eventually kind of realized, let's get off that topic. It's on our podcast page right now. Bulls dropped to 8-5 and five, UAB, which, by the way, is a good team and is now 1-6 in a row on its own at 9-5. and five, The Bulls were looking for his seventh straight victory. A rare Friday night home contest that will be playing Rice then. And again, you'll hear from head coach Amir Abdurrahim and Chris Youngblood before then on Thursday's Bullseye. Tomorrow we got Bulls speed ahead at airs for the first time with yours truly, Michael Kelly, at 7 a.m. And we'll be back on the beat Wednesday for you right here. Thanks for listening to Bulls Beat. I'm Derek Sharp.